Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. During a spring of 203, there was a young North African woman who was taken into custody by Roman soldiers in the city of Carthage, which is now modern Tunisia. That's where it's located. Her name was Perpetua. We celebrated her feast day and that of her slave, uh, Perpetua and Felicity, the two go together all the time. But there's also a group of companions that are with them. But Perpetua, 22 years old, well-educated, good family. She was married. In fact, she was nursing a child at the time of her arrest. And she was charged with violating a decree that the emperor had issued a year before. The decree was this. You cannot convert to Christianity. It outlawed conversion to Christianity. Well, she... At that young age, and her friends, including her personal slave, Felicity, defied the decree. They got arrested and they got imprisoned. And on March 7th of 203, Perpetua Felicity and that group went into a small arena in Carthage where they were fed to wild animals. They were mauled. They were slain by this sword. Um, spectators jeered at them. And we actually have an eyewitness account from that period. Uh, and it goes about like this. Uh, this is virtually verbatim. Perpetua and her companions marched from the prison to the amphitheater joyfully, as though they were going to be in heaven, with calm faces, trembling, if at all, with joy rather than fear. When they were scourged and taunted, they rejoiced at this, that they had obtained a share in the Lord's suffering. Now, the, the spectators in the arena had seen lots of blood and sport before, but they had never witnessed a spectacle like they were seeing with Perpetua and Felicity. This group of young Christians who were being martyred, they embraced their ordeal with an eagerness that seemed to, um, they seemed to delight in pain. They seem to embrace suffering and greet death uh, with open arms. And by the accounts we have, the onlooking crowd was uncomprehending. They, no, they didn't get it. Um, but there in the, the blood and dust of that African sports arena was a major moment in Western history. In fact, it was the emergence of a radically new vision of human happiness. Now, that's just not my opinion. Uh, that is based on the work of Dartmouth professor of history, Darren McMahon, who's written an intellectual history of the concept of happiness, going back to the ancient world right up to the present day. How do people understand happiness? How do philosophers philosophize on it? What about religion? And uh, in his book, A History of Happiness, he writes, Darren McMahon writes, that the emergence of the Christian martyr in history brings to the world a radically new vision of happiness. So think of that. The Christian martyr brings a new vision of human happiness because Perpetua and Felicity were convinced that reality wasn't defined by the emperor's philosophy or society's opinions. They were convinced that it was God who defined reality, and they found their identity in the crucified Christ. They found their destiny in the crucified Christ. They bore witness in the midst of suffering to that reality that went well beyond the pain and suffering of this world, 
but was a reality you could only get to through the pain and suffering of this world. And that's what amazed all those pagan onlookers. For the Christian martyr, this new figure in human history, life had purpose because death had a purpose. The Christian martyr knew the why of his existence. He knew the why of his life, the why of his death, and this enabled him to endure whatever came his way. Viktor Frankl, the Austrian Jewish psychotherapist who served, survived Auschwitz, wrote the classic book, and you've had to read it. If you haven't read it, get it. It's available in very inexpensive editions. It's a very good read. Man's Search for Meaning. And in it he wrote, A man who knows the why for his existence will be able to bear almost any how. You don't invent the why of your existence. You don't invent the meaning. You discover it. And so for the martyr, you know, as for us, the meaning of life is discovered, first of all, in encountering Christ, our creator, becoming his disciple, being ready to learn, being trained by the master who's promised that when a disciple, when a learner, that's what the word means, when a disciple, when a learner is fully trained, he will be like his master. And um, this is a very different way of life. And it, is in, it was in stark contrast with the world then, and it's in stark contrast with the world that's developing in 21st century America. W. Somerset Maugham was a brilliant British writer and playwright novelist, very successful during the 30s. He was reputed to be the highest paid writer in the world. He had a terrible upbringing, though. Both parents died before he was 10. He, his uncle raised him, but the uncle was emotionally cold. He uh, became a physician, tried his hand at novel writing. His first novel became a bestseller, so he gave up medicine. Uh, and in spite of his success, which was enormous, he was not a happy man. He believed that the, the misery, the suffering of this world, uh, indicated that God did not exist. He didn't believe that there was an afterlife. He did write a little autobiography called The Summing Up, and in it he says the universe is eventually going to flatten out. It's going to die of heat, you know, heat death. And uh, long before that happens, humans will have disappeared. Uh, humans will have been a chapter in the history of the universe as pointless as the chapter about uh, those strange dinosaurs that once roamed the earth. And he said, once you know the existence of God and survival after life is no longer believable, then, you know, if death ends everything, if you have neither to hope for good or to fear evil, then you must ask yourself, how should I live? And he said, most people won't face the fact that there's no meaning for life, and thus life has no meaning. Tim Keller is a great Presbyterian preacher in New York City. And he's pointed out that in Mom's most famous book, Of Human Bondage, there's a character there called Philip Carey who loses his faith in God pretty early in life. And he believes that when you die, you rot. And eventually, the sun's going to rot, going to die, right? And all human life's going to go away. Eventually, no one's going to remember anything that's happened, uh, whether you lived a good life or a cruel life. It's going to make no difference at all in the end. What's interesting is that, of course, that philosophy is in the book of Ecclesiastes. 
That's the position that the book of Ecclesiastes explores through all of its chapters until the very end of its 12th chapter. It's almost the whole book is about vanity of vanity, all is vanity, meaninglessness of meaninglessness, all is meaningless. So when Philip Carey was a young man, he thought that after death there'd be nothing. And that gave him this sense of freedom, you know, no one to answer to, uh, no God to judge you. Uh, And then it sunk in on him that if there's no meaning in life, your life serves no end. Life is insignificant. Death is without consequence. And so it seemed to Philip, at last, he was free of any burden of responsibility. He was utterly free now. But then he also realized he he could never be happy. People who don't believe there's anything in the ultimate future, people who believe that when you die, you rot, that ultimately there's nothing, and nothing you do will make any difference, people who believe that cannot ultimately be happy. You can live any way you want. You can get away with anything. No such thing as right and wrong. And all talk about right and wrong and love and cruelty and justice and injustice is a crock. You know, I can live any way I want. I'm completely free. Anything I can do that I can get away with, I can do. But of course, I'll never be happy. Yeah? At first, God is gone and you seem free. But then you say, how will I live? What do I live for? What's the point of it all? You can have anything you want, but in the long run, it is meaningless. And the knowledge that it's all going to rot, it's all going to burn, ultimately there's nothing to live for, that's the miserific vision. And it begins to infiltrate your life. It'll infuse your heart. There'll be a weariness. There'll be a meaninglessness that will creep over you and through you, and you won't know why. Yeah, I know why. You have no hope. And you're a creature that is based in hope. We are creatures that are meaning-seeking creatures. We are creatures that make moral judgments. If there's no morality, if there's no meaning, then we as creatures can never be fulfilled. We can never find happiness. The great American uh, Congregationalist pastor theologian Jonathan Edwards made three points in his sermon on Christian hope and happiness. I know when people hear Jonathan Edwards, they always think sinners in the hands of an angry God. What they don't realize is Edwards was a brilliant Calvinist theologian who was also considered the theologian of joy. (laughs) But he made three points in his, his sermon on Christian hope and happiness. And he says there are three things you have to know. Your bad things will turn out for the ultimate good. Your good things can never be taken away from you. And thirdly, the best things are yet to come. Your bad things will turn out for good, for the ultimate good. St. Paul teaches this, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So that's number one. Your bad things will turn out for the ultimate good. Secondly, your good things can never be taken away from you. 
And thirdly, the best things are yet to come. Perpetua, Felicity, their friends, they knew the why of their life, the why of their death. And so when they were scourged and taunted, they rejoiced that they had obtained a share in the Lord's suffering. They embraced their ordeal with an eagerness that seemed to delight in pain. They greeted death with open arms, and that onlooking crowd didn't realize that they were seeing on March 7th of 203 a new day dawning in human history, a new vision of human happiness, one more way in which the world owes a debt to the Catholic Church. The West's concept of history goes back to the Christian martyr. I'm Al Cresta.